0: Today is June 17th, 2021, In our first story, China has launched the largest air invasion of Taiwanese air defense space ever, sparking fears that this could lead to war with the United States if the U.S. is forced to defend Taiwan from an invasion. In our next story, a viral photo shows France's Emmanuel Macron scolding Biden, making him look weak. Biden's gaffes are the laughingstock of the G7, and it's humiliating the United States. In our last story, Rep. Marjorie Taylor Greene proposes legislation to abolish the ATF. All right. Well, we'll see how that one plays out for uh, gun rights advocates and gun owners. If you really like the show, please give us a good review and leave us five stars. But if you really, really like the show, please share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Joe Biden might be one of the most terrifying presidents we've ever had, and not because of an imposing visage or furled brow and iron fist, because of quite the opposite, because Joe Biden is weak, because he struggles to speak, because a viral video shows Emmanuel Macron of France yelling at him and wagging the finger and Biden's all disheveled and and flustered at a time when China has sent its largest group of military aircraft to invade Taiwanese airspace, triggering alarm bells, a U.S. response. At the same time, Russia was engaging in a war game just about 300 miles west of Hawaii, triggering a U.S. Air Force response. There is great fear that war is coming. Republicans are now warning about it. China has been preparing for it. And there is a desperate attempt by many to avoid this war. But it may be inevitable. And that's truly scary to me because... According to a Forbes article, at least one of their opinion pieces, the actions of the U.S. Air Force in the West to prepare for or even counter China makes nuclear war more likely. And what did we hear recently? China threatened the U.S. basically because of our investigation into COVID. They said that they must make more nuclear weapons to send shivers down the spines of the American elite. And they're not wrong. They will. I wonder Will we get an American elite that will challenge the rise of China, the Belt and Road Initiative, the expansion into the Pacific, the South China Sea, the attacks on our allies in the South China Sea and the Pacific, on fishing boats, on civilians? Or will we have a weak, scared, spineless Joe Biden unable to handle the threat? I don't know. But I'm worried about the internal conflicts as well. I'm worried about our economy. Joe Biden is implementing secret taxes on the middle class. There is an increasing conflict between the left and the right in this country. We are as much fighting ourselves as we are challenging China. In fact, it may be that the conflict internally in the U.S. is substantially worse than the pending conflict between the U.S. and China. And that means if a real conflict breaks out with China, we will not be unified, nor will we be able to actively defend our allies. Nikki Haley recently said, if China moves in on Taiwan and takes Taiwan, it's over. Because then they will think it's fair game to take whatever they want. Take a look at what we saw in San Francisco recently. Story I covered just a few days ago. Shoplifters, brazen acts, loading up garbage bags in stores and riding out in their bikes. Why? Well, the dam has broken. Once you reach a critical mass, once you cross the event horizon, people in these cities realize the cops can't stop them. It's a permanent state of looting. What do you think will happen if China makes a move on Taiwan and the US can do nothing to stop it. Nick Gailey's is correct. China will continue to escalate its moves, seizing more land, making more egregious moves, and there's nothing we can do. Once they cross that threshold unless we decide to go to war. And that's when we could be facing the real prospect of nuclear war, something I hope all of us wish to avoid, but it seems more and more likely every day. Now, I don't know if any of this means war is coming, but this is certainly a major escalation. I briefly mentioned this the other day when talking about the the failures of Joe Biden, but here we go. Let's talk about the actual military actions taken by China. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to help support our work. When you're a member, you'll get access to the members only area, which is a bunch of exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. Yesterday, we talked with Ivory Hecker. She was the whistleblower who went to Project Veritas, and we discussed, uh, we discussed media malfeasance. We also have a new newsroom. You may have noticed, we're writing articles, we're going to be hiring many, many more people, and we really, really do need your support. It's not that easy. We're going to be hiring maybe three or four more people in the immediate to start producing real news as we prepare for the launch of the new full website in just a few weeks. So go to TimCast.com, sign up, but don't forget, like this video right now. Subscribe to this channel and hit that notification bell. And if you think this news is important and you think I do a good job, please share this video on all social media platforms. Encourage your friends and family to watch it. That's our marketing campaign. I don't have billboards. I don't have YouTube propping me up like CNN. If you think I deserve the viewership more than CNN, please share this video now. From Defense News, China sends largest group of military aircraft in a single day near Taiwan. Now, it's interesting they say near Taiwan, because my understanding is that this actually crossed into Taiwan's air defense zone. They say China has sent its largest ever number of military aircraft in a single day into the international airspace surrounding Taiwan, with the island nation scrambling its fighter jets and deploying air defense missile systems in response. The Taiwanese Ministry of National Defense said twenty. Defense said 28 People's Liberation Army aircraft entered Taiwan's air defense identification zone from the southwest on Tuesday. So so clarification, it's their air defense zone, not specifically their air territory. The aircraft included fighter jets and nuclear capable bombers, and they flew in six distinct groups, according to a ministry news release and an accompanying graphic. The fighter jets were, were comprised of 14 Shenyang J-16 multi-role strike aircraft and six J-11 interceptors, along with four Xi'an H-6 bombers. The remainder were electronic warfare, anti-submarine, and airborne early war cr- warning aircraft. About three of these groups flew to, Western, to the Western Pacific via the Bashi Channel south of Taiwan before turning back. Taiwan has accused China of attempting to wear down its air force with regular flybys, with former Defense Minister Yen Tefa telling Parliament in October 2020 that Taiwan flew 2,972 sorties against Chinese aircraft between January and October that year. In Beijing, the spokesman of of China's Taiwan Affairs Office, Ma Xiaoguang, said the latest flybys were a response to acts of collusion between between Taiwan and foreign forces, in a bid to secure Taiwanese independence, China sees self-ruled Taiwan as a rogue province and has vowed to reincorporate the island with its mainland. Now, if you're not fully familiar with what's going on with Taiwan and China. I can give you a very, very simplified version. China thinks Taiwan is part of China. Taiwan views itself as independent. The US has this weird agreement where they kind of act like Taiwan's independent and don't allow China to come in while still acting like Taiwan is part of China. And there have been efforts to negotiate and work with Taiwan outside of China that China feels is an affront to its national sovereignty. This is escalating the point of war, but I'll simplify it even further. China wants to regain full control of Taiwan. If they do, it will be a direct attack on U.S. allies in the Southeast, uh, in southeast Asia. And if the U.S. can't do any- anything to defend its allies, well, then China will become emboldened and war is very likely. They say the flyby happened on the same day the U.S. Navy said a carrier group led by the aircraft carrier Ronald Reagan entered the South China Sea via the Bashi Channel. Citing a spokesman for the carrier group, Reuters reported the Navy did not have any interactions with the Chinese aircraft. China has previously flown a large bomber force near Taiwan, while a U.S. Navy carrier group was transiting the nearby waters. The Wall Street Journal reported in February that one such force of H-6s carried out a mock attack on the Theodore Roosevelt carrier strike group as the lead ship and its escorts transited the Bashi, as its and its escorts transited the Bashi Channel. Prior to Tuesday's flyby, an analyst with the Japanese Defense Ministry's National Institute for Defense Studies pointed to a pattern of Chinese air activity near Taiwan. In his commentary published June 8th, Masayashi Manma noted that H-6s, which can carry anti-ship supersonic and cruise missiles, were active around Taiwan when the Theodore Roosevelt carrier strike group sailed through the Bashi Channel in late January 2021. He added that fighters and airborne early warning aircraft were also present based on data released by Taiwan's defense ministry. He speculated that the former were carrying out bomber escort drills under the command and control of the latter. At the time, Manma wrote that Chinese air activity around Taiwan was growing in sophistication and complexity and suggested the possibility of mid-air refueling tankers joining such training operations in the future. Those additional aircraft would enable China's fighters and bombers to increase their time on station and bolster their range into the Western Pacific. To put, it, to put it bluntly, it seems like they're preparing for war. War seems more and more likely. From Newsweek, prepare for war, China military warns in new propaganda poster for Taiwan. The actions they're taking suggest something bad may be coming. The Chinese military has released a flurry of pictures and videos showing battle ready troops and training exercises as part of a new propaganda drive aimed at Taiwan. Articles published by the Information Arm of the People Liberation's Army, 80th Group Army carried stark warnings for splittists and a poster reading Prepare for War. The campaign material was widely shared on Wednesday by users on China's popular social media service Weibo and WeChat. There's the propaganda photo.
1: The brigade swore to
0: obey all commands and fear no challenges, while also committing to fight for dignity without fear or death, according to the propaganda literature. Among the social media posts prepared by the 80th Group Army's political work department, responsible for gathering intelligence and influence operations, was a music video produced by Voice of the Strait, a collection of five PLA radio stations based in Fuzhou, Fujian province, broadcast spe- especially for listeners in Taiwan. The music video titled Want to be a Splittist? Listen here. The performance was done in Mandarin and in the Southern Min dialect, both of which are widely spoken in Taiwan, which the Chinese government claims is part of its territory. So what does that mean for us? Well, I highlight that just to show their propaganda suggests they'll try to take Taiwan. The U.S., in my opinion, right now, not a foreign policy expert by any stretch of the imagination, just somebody who reads the news, has been following the news for quite some time. I do not believe the U.S. would intervene to defend Taiwan. I really don't. I think if China made its move right now, and this is just my opinion, the U.S. would wag its finger and start making demands and then do nothing. That, to me, is worrying. China will then move on other U.S. allies. Japan is next. Korea is next. Eventually, we'll get dragged into war. From Forbes, why the Air Force's plan for fighting China could make nuclear war more likely, from Lauren Thompson. He writes, late last year, the U.S. Air Force conducted a secret war game testing how it might repulse a Chinese invasion of Taiwan in 2030. As described by Verily Incinna in Defense News, the Air Force employed an array of manned and unmanned aircraft to blunt the attack, including the super-stealthy B-21 bomber, which is still under development. Cool photo, by the way, we can see. The B-21, Incinna reported, was used to penetrate contested zones, presumably meaning Chinese airspace, while the less-survivable B-52 launched cruise missiles from standoff distances. The good news is that the hypothetical Chinese invasion in the war game was halted without resort to use of nuclear weapons. The bad news is that things might not work out that way in, real, in, in a real war, and it might be China that, escorts, res, that resorts to nuclear use before America does. In this photo, we can see it says B-21 artist rendering. Very cool-looking stealth vehicle that can drop bombs. The B-52 is launching cruise missiles. Why would the U.S. reveal... Weapons in development. Maybe the U.S. doesn't actually have these weapons because psychological warfare is just as important in many respects. Make China think that you have more sophisticated weapons than they do, so they won't want to engage in war. It's a common tactic the U.S. has used and many other countries have. They want other countries to be too scared. I'm reminded of this uh, uh, story of, I think the name is Chuco Liang. I could be wrong. And it's an amazing story about an enemy uh, army was going to invade a fortress. So Liang opened the doors to the fortress and sat atop the walls playing a lute. When the enemy force arrived, they stopped. And instead of invading the weakened fortress, which had no defense, they retreated. Why? They thought it was a trap, psychological warfare. In fact, this fortress that Liang was sitting atop did not have an army to defend itself. So he used psychological tactics, making the enemy fear what lies ahead. Perhaps that's why the U.S. is engaging in this UFO propaganda operation saying, oh, aliens, they're here. China's not going to believe aliens are here. They're likely going to believe what most people believe, that these sophisticated vehicles are just that advanced technology, and China won't know what it is. So they'll be worried. If we engage in war, will they unveil a new weapon no one knows about? Yeah, very likely they will. So who is it? We don't know. So maybe we don't need to be worrying all that much about nuclear war. Maybe it's just meant to saber rattle and scare someone. Or maybe it's all just propaganda. And the reality is we don't have the weapons we need to defend ourselves. Or at the very least, China's more sophisticated, sophisticated weapons we don't know about. Or at the very least, what we do know about nuclear weapons, ICBMs, multiple independently targeted reentry vehicles or MIRVs will be used because no one wants to lose. They would rather have mutually assured destruction. They go on to say, this possibility highlights an issue in Air Force planning that has gone largely unnoticed. If a fight over Taiwan occurs, the Air Force plans to wage conventional warfare against China by flying nuclear-capable aircraft into its airspace or by launching cruise missiles from outside its airspace and other nuclear-capable aircraft. Either way, Beijing would have no quick way of determining whether the attacking US bombers were carrying nuclear or conventional munitions. Its nascent strategic warning system would not be able to differentiate between a nuclear and non-nuclear attack until weapons actually started exploding on its territory. And China's highly centralized nuclear command authority might not be willing to wait that long before responding. After all, it could be the first target of the attack. Unlike Russia, which has a vast nuclear arsenal comparable in size to that of the United States, China's always maintained a minimal nuclear deterrent. The Pentagon estimates that China has China only has 200 or so nuclear warheads and a respected private security and a a respected private security pegs the number at 350, only about 130 of which are available for use on ballistic missiles capable of reaching the continental United States. (laughs) Only 130. One is enough to decimate New York City. One is enough to take out L.A. So you get coming to the Western seaboard, Oregon, Seattle, Los Angeles, San Diego, Sacramento, Portland. What are we at six? They don't need that many to decimate the Western seaboard. 130. We do not want to enter a nuclear war. They say, whether, whichever estimate you believe, the number of warheads Beijing relies on to deter a nuclear attack is a small fraction of the number available to US forces. So the possibility that Washington might move to disarm Chinese strategic forces in a fight over Taiwan could not be discounted. Since most of the missiles threatening the US are road mobile, it would be logical for Chinese leaders to assume that stealthy bombers might be sent to track down ICBMs and take out the handful of other Chinese strategic systems, four submarines, a few bombers capable of targeting America. As the, as the Air Force Fiscal 2022 posture statement observes, the B-21 will possess the range access and payload to penetrate the most highly contested threat environments and hold any target around the world at risk. That includes China's nuclear weapons, its early warning radars and strategic command network. Faced with this possibility in a war where Chinese and US forces are already fighting, Beijing might decide it needs to launch its long range missiles before they are destroyed on the ground. The official Chinese position is that it will never be the first nation to use nuclear weapons. But Pentagon officials have been warning for years that Beijing might move to launch to, to a, to a launch-on-warning posture that might be called that might be called to use them or lose them approach to deterrence. It wouldn't be the first time a nation's operational nuclear strategy was at variance with its declaratory strategy. In such a scenario, The strategic stakes surrounding Chinese occupation of Taiwan would fade to insignificance in Washington compared with the prospect of nuclear warheads detonating on U.S. soil. And yet Air Force planners don't seem to have given much thought to the fact that their future heavy bomber force will consist entirely of aircraft whose conventional or nuclear payloads are indistinguishable to an adversary. This didn't matter much when the enemy was Serbia or Iraq. But when the other side is itself a nuclear power possessing a long range strategic arsenal, it could matter a lot. During the the later years of the Cold War and thereafter, the Air Force undertook a series of steps aimed at promoting strategic stability with Russia, such as eliminating the nuclear attack features on its B-1 bombers. But Beijing is not party to any of the arms control agreements that drove those steps. And every B-21 bomber rolling off the assembly line at Palmdale, California, will be wired for nuclear weapons. Most of the missions envisioned for the bomber are conventional. Beijing would have no way of knowing that for sure at the onset of a war. Do you know about China's ghost cities? Right now, China has around 50 underpopulated cities. They're slowly becoming more and more populated. So many say that the initial fears over what the purpose of these was, was incorrect. China started building large, empty cities some time ago. For a while, they sat mostly empty. I believe Vice and many other outlets did small investigatory journalistic pieces on these cities. So conspiracy theories arise. The first. Why would they do this to inflate their economy, to create false supply and demand so that they can hire a bunch of people to build cities so they have work that they don't really need? Maybe others fear that they're sort of escape cities. If a nuclear war were to break out and the U.S. targeted the main economic hubs of China, China has created backup cities so that they could absorb the large influx of population fleeing from these decimated areas. The U.S. being less likely to target empty or underpopulated cities would first strike at the main hubs. The Chinese would then flee to these underpopulated cities and immediately kickstart their economy. There's also fears based on what's happened with COVID by, well, I can only say it this way, decentralizing our economy. Moving people out of major cities, having them buy lots of guns, it sure is fortuitous for the United States these things are happening because those greatly benefit the U.S. in the event a nuclear war actually does break out. They go on to say, most of the missions envisioned for the bomber, the the B-21, are conventional, but Beijing would have no way of knowing. So given the fears that often seize hold of leaders in crises, the possibility of nuclear first use by Beijing can't be dismissed. Of course, China could act preemptively to reduce the vulnerability of its retaliatory forces by expanding them. Perhaps it might follow America's example by putting most of its nuclear arsenal on submarines that can't be tracked when beneath the seas. That's a move the country's leaders have resisted. Their force is predominantly land-based. But with the advent of B-21, they might feel no alternative. And while the venerable B-52 is not quite as threatening as the B-21, After 2030, it will be equipped with nuclear long-range standoff weapons that can penetrate any Chinese defenses. You could say that collectively, the stealthy B-21 and B-52 equipped with stealthy cruise missiles and a potent deterrent are a potent deterrent to a Chinese assault on Taiwan. But somebody in the Pentagon ought to be contemplating how those aircraft should be used if a war nonetheless occurs to prevent the conflict from stumbling into a nuclear exchange. As one senior military officer commented, In a not far, not for attribution discussion earlier this year. You need to deter the Chinese without scaring them so much that they might go nuclear. Now, is war possible? NATO warns of military challenge posed by Taiwan. We have this story from Australia. P. M. Morrison says Australia working hard to avoid war with China. Now, this story I actually do find alarming. The story is just from today. It implies that they think war is likely, or that we are at least moving in that direction. They're trying to avoid it, which means they view it as possible. And it seems to me that they feel that without effort, we are moving towards that likelihood. Australia, as you may know, accompanied a U.S. strike group into the South China Sea, or at least into this area. Australia has been working with the U.S. on this. I really do think that this is the, the, the big danger of our generation, The fourth turning, Thucydides trap, whatever you want to cite, there's real fear for a war breaking out internationally. And there's a lot to consider in this, a lot more that I couldn't possibly hope to understand. I hope that what I'm seeing is surface level nonsense. I hope that China flying into this defense zone of Taiwan is meaningless, saber rattling, meant to scare Joe Biden into a trade agreement. I don't think people feel that way, and I'm sorry, I can't make those assumptions. The media, military leaders, their statements, and the actions taken by the military of these countries suggest that war is increasingly likely. When it comes to the reporters uh, seeking more information on this, Biden gives me pause. He says things that raise alarm, alarm uh, flag, red flags and alarm bells. Yahoo News reports Biden bristles at Fox News reporter's question on China at a press conference following his meeting with Putin. Uh, President Biden disputed a journalist's characterization of President Xi Jinping as an old friend who might be persuaded to allow an international investigation into the origins of COVID. Let's get something straight. We know each other well. We're not old friends, Biden said. It's pure business. That's right. I find it fascinating. Many people on the right, they call uh, Joe Biden Beijing Biden. They say that he's here to work at the behest of China. Maybe that's the case. Why? I wonder. If people like Joe Biden recognized that, they, that the United States would not be able to win a war with China, or at the very least, it would re- result in mutually assured destruction. So the only thing they can do is just keep giving, what, giving into uh, China, giving them what they want. Think of it this way. Everything we're reading about the war and the conflict, I always tell people, imagine you're in the middle of the woods, stranded. You have no idea where civilization is. You have a little bit of food and water. You're carrying a canteen. You have a gun. And off in the distance, you see someone who looks just like you carrying a gun and a canteen. What do you do? It's a, it's a general question. There's no real good answer. Many people I talk to say they'd wave and yell. Okay, what if the person yells and waves back gibberish you don't understand? What do you do? I've been watching, I don't know if you guys have seen the, the, the stand. Right, it's a new show. It's on uh, Paramount Plus, I guess. This is the Stephen King novel about a pandemic that wipes out most of the Earth's population, and some survive. It's basically like a battle between God and the devil or something. In it, there's many 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 instances where people confront another person, and what's the first thing they do? They draw their weapons. They point them at each other. This is basically war. I know China doesn't want nuclear war. The U.S. doesn't want nuclear war, but they're two different interests. China wants to expand. They want to grow their economy. They want to expand their influence. The U.S. doesn't want that, but China is doing it. Eventually, whether anyone wants it or not, war breaks out in situations like this, and we are experiencing what's called Thucydides' trap, which may come true. That is, as you probably know by now if you've watched my videos, as a rising economic power is about to displace the dominant power, war breaks out, or at least it tends to. The U.S. may not want to go to war, but China absolutely believes Taiwan is theirs. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters that they, are, they feel morally justified to do it. And what will we do if they actually invade? I'm warning you now. China, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Taiwan makes a ton of our computer chips. There's already a shortage. We really need them for our economy, for our military, for our weapons, fastgrowingtrees.com code pool offer is valid for a limited time terms and conditions may apply if if we lose taiwan full control goes to china it's bad news for the us and it puts us in a weaker position i wonder if joe biden's you know the criticism that he faces and the anger that he faces is because he knows he can't actually handle this I, I, I wish I, I was more confident. From foreignpolicy.com, will Europe get tough on China? The latest G7 summit shows Biden could be more successful than Trump in courting allies to counter Beijing. At least he's trying, I guess, or at least I hope he's trying. Joe Biden goes to the G7 and tries to get support to counter China. Many have said that the, uh, this is one of the official lines, the point of the European Union was to counter the expansion of China that European nations need to be unified as one as a large economic power because China is becoming more and more powerful and they're growing. And maybe that's it. Maybe Joe Biden will go to NATO, maybe NATO knows they're facing a very serious challenge, maybe Joe Biden will go to the European nations, the G7, maybe he'll even talk to Russia. But this means the US will likely give something up. For too long we've given up too much to China. Will Joe Biden now be giving things up to Vladimir Putin, desperate for some kind of support in a potential conflict with China? I don't know, man. I really, really don't. From Fox News, Rebecca Grant, Biden just gave Putin a big fat cyber bombshell, and China is watching. After Geneva, Putin risks Russia's economic future if cyber activity gets out of hand. A couple of things happened. Nord Stream 2, Why did Joe Biden shut down an oil pipeline in the U.S. and then waive sanctions to allow Russia to build the Nord Stream 2 pipeline into Europe? Could it be that Joe Biden is giving in to Russia desperate for us for an ally in a fight against China? What about this story for Fox News? No wonder the Geneva summit ended early. There wasn't much left to say after President Joe Biden delivered the biggest cyber bombshell ever in U.S. foreign policy. Cut to the chase. If Russian President Vladimir Putin doesn't get the Russian hacking and ransomware cyber attacks under control, the U.S. can mess with Russia's oil export pipelines. Yes, there were strong words on Ukraine, Afghanistan, Iran, Belarus, and the uh, the Arctic, and more. But the historic takeaway from Geneva is that Biden unveiled a direct cyber threat to counter Russia's recent actions. Never before has an American president laid it out so bluntly for Putin. I pointed out to him, we have significant cyber capabilities. He knows it. He doesn't know exactly, but it's significant. If they violate basic norms, we will respond in cyber. He knows. For years, America's cyber strategy was all about getting ready and keeping quiet. No longer. Biden has laid down a scorching red line with Putin and the hackers he harbors must not cross. It's an interesting story. Others have framed it a bit differently. Biden said, here's a list of things don't attack. You got to stop. You got to protect. This sounds to me like Biden is trying to get tough with Putin, but also based on what we saw with the oil pipeline sanctions, it's more of a you better be with us and not against us. Stop attacking us. But I don't know. Maybe Biden's not giving up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline because he's worried about China. Maybe it's because Russian hackers have been targeting our critical infrastructure. Here are the four key points. They say, as of now, America's critical infrastructure is off limits to attack, period. That means the energy grid, water, a total of 16 specific entities. Don't expect much more detail. The critical infrastructure list has been around for a while, but it's a classified secret. The U.S. Army General Paul Nakasone at the U.S. Cyber Command is not about to tell you anything about how his cyber warriors, civilians, and military personnel from all service branches carry out their tasks. I found this story fascinating. Why would Biden say any of this to Putin? Oh, you can you can cyber attack other components in our economy and that's fine? How about you say it's all off limits? It's a weird conversation. And he basically gave him a hit list. I don't know about war with Russia though. Russia was doing these war games west of Hawaii and the US scrambled the Air Force, but I'm not entirely convinced Russia's our biggest problem. I don't think Russia would dare go to war with us, though they have a massive arsenal of nuclear warheads. I don't know the exact number. I think it's like 25,000 or something ridiculous, way more than China. I don't know what to expect. I don't. I don't know if Biden's doing the right thing or not, but I can tell you there are very serious concerns about what we're seeing. What's China's Belt and Road Initiative? Why is Joe Biden concerned? PolitiFact says, since 2013, China has been pursuing a Belt and Road Initiative to leverage its industrial capacity to help developing countries build out their physical and digital infrastructure. Many nations in the West worry that the initiative could tilt international commerce and geopolitics in China's direction, with long-lasting consequences. At their summit in mid-June, G7 leaders launched the Build Back Better for the World initiative, which is aimed at countering Belt and Road and offering stronger standards for government transparency, environmental protection, and the ability to avoid dependence on China's authoritarian government. Sounds to me like economic war is afoot. I hope it doesn't escalate, but I have a feeling it will do you think China will just stop? They'll say, we're good where we are. We don't want to be a world power. We just want to live under the boot of NATO in the West. No, of course not. They've got a billion plus people. They're going to keep expanding. And eventually, they'll expand into our territory. And then there will be fighting. China got dangerously close with this this air incursion into, into Taiwan's air defense zone. Don't think it's the last. They're testing the waters, quite literally, or testing the air to see what they can get away with. I don't think the U.S. will do anything to stop them. I think Biden is too weak. But I, I, I don't know. I don't want war. So what do we do? Do we defend Taiwan or do we just say no? It's a tough call, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the president of the United States of America. If this image doesn't infuriate you as an American, well, then you probably don't care about the United States. You probably don't care about foreign policy. And you probably just voted for Biden because the orange man is bad. In this photo, it's Emmanuel Macron of France, and he's given Joe Biden business. He's had enough. You can see Joe Biden's all flustered and frustrated, like, come on, You got Macron doing a finger wag at Joe Biden. This next image, also very, very bad. Macron leans in to a sad and somber looking Joe Biden who seems too incompetent and feeble to stand up for American interests. When France is getting in the face of the U.S. president who can look only scared, pathetic and weak, I get triggered by that. I do. Now, I'm, I'm not going to pretend like it's the end of the world or I'm like all that mad, like, oh, you know, the America's ruined. No, I, I'm just frustrated by this. Joe Biden clearly is not all there. And it's not just conservatives in America that are pointing it out, though, for the most part, when it comes to the news, you're typically not going to see any left wing sources mention that Biden's brain don't work. However, Australia is starting to no- notice it. And that's very serious because Australia is concerned about a potential war with China and they'll need the United States as an ally. Australian TV and websites have been pointing out that Biden ain't all with it right now. And uh, I guess you can make complaints about Donald Trump. I guess you can say that Donald Trump was bombastic, but certainly not weak. Do you think Emmanuel Macron or anyone for that matter would have come out and gotten in the face of Donald Trump? No. No. Because for all the things that, uh, that, that, that Trump is, weak isn't one of them. No, he's the opposite. He's, he's aggressive, overly aggressive. In fact, I got to say, I think Joe Biden is almost like the mirror opposite of Donald Trump. Trump, of course, is a loud, brash, brazen individual, very uh, confident, to say the least. And Joe Biden is a quiet, feeble, pathetic, weak old man. Donald Trump would speak for hours just off the top of his head. Joe Biden's in mental decline. Donald Trump's an outsider. Joe Biden's an insider. Now, I, I, want, I want to give a shout out to a sponsor today, Ground.News. They're, they're uh, helping support this channel. I don't normally take sponsors on this channel, but there's a reason why I want to, I want to shout them out. I want to show, show you a little bit about what they got. Go in the link, in the link below. It's ground.news slash TimPool1. It'll automatically direct you to wherever you can download the app. It's, it's a great service. It really, really is. You may have noticed I've been using their browser extension because on, soar, on, on stories where they actually track the bias, you can see who's not getting this news. So when you look at these stories about Joe Biden, you're actually not getting any left wing sources. Ground News reports, or I should say it's from OAN, Australian TV. Biden is illiterate incoherent and cognitively deficient. See, this is how I find out about a lot of these stories because I'm trying to look through things I may miss. OAN reports that Australian TV says it's about Joe Biden. And as we can see, no one else is covering it, but it's true. Here's news.com.au concerns for Joe Biden's mental capacity raised amid gaffes at G7. We have another story, this one also from news.com.au. Biden is a weak, frail, cognitive mess. This is what we're what people in Australia are saying about us right now. Well, that that photo about Macron was apparently their uh, anger at us over what was going on in Libya. But I do want to shout out one other thing that I find particularly valuable with ground.news, and it's the blind spot feature. So seriously, really cool stuff. And I'm really grateful that uh, Ground News is sponsoring the show. Again, link in the description below. Ground News slash Tim one, the number one. Check this out. You can type in someone's Twitter handle. And it'll show you it says Tim Poole, 55 percent of the news Tim uh, Cast interacts with on Twitter leans left. That's true. And you know, what's really interesting about this. There's that study I often cite talking about moderates and conservatives and how conservatives get like two thirds of their news from conservative sources and a third from liberal sources. Moderates get their news from two thirds liberal sources and one third conservative and liberals just only get mainstream media. It makes sense. I'm moderate, right? moderate uh, center left slightly. And yeah, I interact with mostly news on the left, 21% center, 24% conservative. And I think it, uh, I think it very much makes sense. But uh, anyway, check out the link in the description below. Let's get back to the story at hand. What's happening right here? Politico, when we see Macron bullying and, and just, I mean, this photo is, is bad. Joe Biden seems you can. Let let me just stress this. We don't know exactly what Macron is saying to Joe Biden. But look at Joe Biden's face. His brow is furled. He's raising his hand, clearly getting yelled at by Macron. Macron then leans in and Biden just basically looks like he's 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 given up and given in. Trump would have stood up and gotten his face and screamed at him. We don't we don't need France. You know, these countries getting up in our face. But I got to be honest, What's happening in France? Well, you have former generals, you have high high-profile personalities warning about wokeness and calling it out. So yeah, maybe this is a, a, should be a wake-up call to America because France typically is the butt of many jokes, you know, over their surrendering in World War Two, and now Emmanuel Macron's coming to our president. That's what you get when you get with Joe Biden. That's what you get when you get with Joe Biden. That's right. Here's the story from Politico: Macron pitches Biden on plan to get foreign fighters out of Libya. It sounds so weak compared to the photos that you see. Pitches plan. No, I, 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 I don't think he's pitching. I, I, OK, fine. Maybe you can argue he's pitching something. No, he's, he's yelling and he's, he's like scolding Biden, who just sits there and, and embarrasses, up, embarrasses us, who can't handle tough questions and has out, outbursts of rage for, for no reason. He can't deal with the stresses of this job, and he should never have been president in, in the first place, in my opinion. This guy should not have run. But you know what? The, the orange man bad narrative was strong enough to get a bunch of people to vote for a feeble, disheveled old man who can't think properly. But that's the story, right? It's, it's quite simple. France has pitched to the US and others on a plan to remove foreign fighters from Libya. The plan seen by Politico. Yeah, 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 we get it. But what's this photo? I wonder what Macron was really saying. It's a tactical shift for Emmanuel Macron, adopting a more collective approach that could end up offering a foreign policy win to someone else. Joe Biden, pool photo, Getty images. Well, as you can see, there are Australian outlets that are pointing out that Joe Biden is not all with it. I bring you now to this article from TimCast.com. Biden snaps at CNN Reporter. Suggests she might be in the wrong business. He can't stand up to Emmanuel Macron because he's in a position of weakness. When Anthony uh, Anthony Blinken was having discussions with China, what did China say? The, um, that America is not negotiating from from a position of strength. Okay, well they say all empire you know empires don't last forever. America is certainly an empire in many respects. Maybe this is it. China's walking all over Blinken. Macron's walking all over Biden. So what does Biden do? Like a like like a schoolyard bully who gets yelled at by his dad. He goes and takes it out on other people. Check this out from TimCast.com. President Joe Biden became quite testy with CNN's Caitlin Collins at his Geneva press conference on Wednesday. The exchange took place following the president's press conference regarding his meeting with Russian President Vladimir Putin. As Biden went to leave, reporters began shouting questions in an attempt to get his attention. One of them succeeded by asking about Americans detained in Russia. So we have Aaron Rupar here via Twitter. Biden, in response to Peter Ducey's question about the origins of COVID, what we should be doing is rallying to world to work on what is going to be the physical mechanism available to detect early on the next pandemic and have a mechanism by which we can respond to it. What the hell? When did I say I was confident? If you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business. Biden gets upset at Caitlin Collins' shouted question as he tries to leave the news conference. That's weird. Why is Biden screaming at CNN, of all people? I'm not going to walk away on that, Biden asserted, stopping to speak to the press. Why are you so confident he'll change his behavior, Mr. President, Collins asked. I'm not confident he'll change his behavior. Where the hell? What do you what do you do all the time? When did I say I was confident? The clearly agitated Biden walked up and added and added, I'm not confident of anything. I'm just stating a fact. But given his past behavior has not changed. And in that press conference, after sitting down with you for several hours, he denied any involvement in cyber attacks. He downplayed human rights abuses. He even refused to say Alexei Navalny's name. So uh, Colin said, so how does it account for a constructive meeting? If you don't understand that, you're in the wrong business, the president said before heading off. Speaking to reporters later on, Biden said that he shouldn't have been such a wise guy. No, this is not Joe Biden losing his cool. This is Joe Biden experiencing, at least in my opinion, not as a medical doctor, dementia, What happens is people who are suffering from this have outbursts of rage because they just can't think and they're frustrated, like, why isn't my brain working? What am I supposed to say? I don't know what you're talking about. Stop yelling at me. Biden ain't with it. And he's going to the G7 and standing before Vladimir Putin, of all people. Ben Spear tweeted earlier earlier today that... uh, Russia is not the threat that people think they are and that we shouldn't be treating Russia like it's the Soviet Union because their GDP is 1.7 trillion. It's smaller than several American states. I I see what Ben's saying. I disagree. Russia has nuclear weapons and they have uh, they are they are particularly influential. Now, Obama mocked Russia, calling them a regional power. And that's a fair point. And I think Ben does make a fair point. Russia isn't the most powerful threat in the world. Obviously, China is. Isn't it funny how when the Trump administration pointed that out, all of a sudden, these intelligence agencies started targeting people in the Trump administration as being Russian assets? It's creepy. But I digress. Looking back at Joe Biden, seeing what's happening and seeing these criticisms and seeing him snap, he says, look, to be a good reporter, you got to be negative. You got to have a negative view of life. okay? it seems to me you never ask positive questions. Biden said, I apologize for having been short. Joe Biden, when 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 CNN comes out and says Joe Biden had a scoop of ice cream and everybody loves him. When you get these pundits on Twitter saying, isn't it great to have a normal president again? And there was right after Joe Biden fired a bunch of missiles into Syria or or did a missile strike in Syria, and was moving troops through the country. We get these 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 pundits being like, "I woke up, no scandals, no no media uh, screaming at the media, no conflict. It's just so nice to have a real president." These people, they 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 are zealots to the media, to the church of mainstream media. If they're priests, Brian Stelter and Don Lemon and Jake Tapper, don't say it. It never happened. So long as the media doesn't criticize Biden in any meaningful way, people just sit back and think nothing's happening. Hey, out of sight, out of mind. But I'm concerned about these outbursts of anger. You see how Biden comes back out later and says, I, I apologize for having been short. That's a That's that, that's somebody who's president. First, I'll say this. OK, you want to argue that Biden is not experiencing cognitive decline. I think you're a liar. OK, I think any sane and rational person can recognize the man's brain doesn't work. But let's say, okay, fine. Then he's not professional. He can't keep his cool under pressure. And that's worse than Donald Trump.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full by law. 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Biden went on to say that if he had answered that he expected a negative outcome, it would be a guarantee nothing happens, and that you have to put on a, a, a optimistic front. Unlike the indignation that Trump faced from the network when he would snap back at a reporter, Biden received glowing praise from her network after the incident. He certainly, he was comfortable in that moment, taking off his jacket, answering the questions from top foreign policy reporters in the audience that he doesn't always call on, CNN's Jeff Zeleny commented. Collins herself also defended Biden, saying that apologizing for the way he handled her question is completely unnecessary. Oh, man, don't you just love how broken the media is. So Brian Stelter's ratings are in the trash hole. Down from, uh, I guess he can't muster up any real uh, ratings. CNN's Brian Stelter draws smallest audience of 2021 as reliable sources gets crushed by media buzz. Reliable sources has hit embarrassing new lows in various ratings, measurables on a regular basis. You know, there's, there's good news and bad news here. They say that, uh, Reliable Sources has failed to attract 1 million viewers for 11 straight weeks. Yeah, well, he used to get like half a million. All right. Now, uh, what did Seltzer get? 752,000 views on Sunday. Viewers. That's still a lot. So sure, the ratings are falling. There's a lot to be said for that. But ratings across the board for a lot of people have gone down in a variety of ways. Truth be told, uh, it is particularly bad for CNN and not so much for everybody else. Um, many conservative commentators are stable or seeing their ratings go down only a little bit because we're not in the political season anymore. But you see CNN, they live on just saying nice things about Joe Biden. That's that. That was their game during the Trump era. That's what you would get. Trump would say something and they would scream. And then the Biden zealots, the, the cult would just be like, yay. Well, Trump's gone. They lost one of their biggest selling points for the cult. Orange man bad. Yeah, well, orange mad not here. So they lose viewers like crazy. But they've become this shell of their former selves. Not like CNN was ever the greatest news source to begin with. But I used to I used to have CNN running on my TV. I don't know. You can't actually see it. I, I have a TV. I used to have CNN on. You know why? Because when breaking news would happen, they'd say like breaking, this just happened. I'd be like, that's great. And one day I turned on CNN and there was a panel talking about Trump. And I was like, eh, well, I'll leave it on. And then the whole day was just them talking about Trump and and various panels, and I was like, okay, what what is happening in the world? Change channel to Fox News. Fox News is talking about inclement weather and disasters. Fox News is talking about conflict in the Middle East, and I'm like, sorry, I mean, I'm actually getting news from Fox right now, not from CNN. They turned themselves into a network to just lick the feet of Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. Well, those people didn't actually care about the Democratic Party. They cared about Donald Trump and Donald Trump is gone and now they're losing those ratings. I don't want to get too far off of uh, the main topic though, but I do want to point out when when Biden has this like dementia snap where he just gets really angry Ugh! and just starts yelling at a reporter. Uh, you'll you'll notice that in some instances Biden will be talking and also he'll just start yelling. And and as i described like what people say to me is they're talking and their brain stops, starts slowing down and they're trying to think of what to say. Like, look, everything I'm doing right here is unscripted. I have no teleprompter, no script. Nothing's written down. I do preliminary research. I pull up the sources and then I just talk off the top of my head. I have a lot of people who come here and they're like, you, you don't use a prompter when you do these videos? And I'm like, no, how would I do it? What, no, absolutely not. And there are periods like it, it, it happens to everybody where you, you lose your train of thought. And I've been on the IRL podcast talking and say, like, OK, I lost my train of thought. Now, imagine if that happens every single time you try speaking. Eventually, you're trying to focus and you're just the, the, the idea you want to say it's gone and you're getting angrier and angrier. And it keeps happening. And then you snap and explode, start yelling at people. That's what's happening with Joe Biden. So what can we expect other than uh, President Kamala Harris? And how soon? I mean, after this failure of a performance at the G7 where Biden is just getting screamed at, I got to be honest, I don't think Emmanuel Macron would, 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 would point the finger and get in the face of Kamala Harris that way because she's pretty nasty. Yeah. I mean, she kept uh, uh, inmates in prison beyond their, their uh, potential parole because she wanted to use them as slave labor to fight wildfires in California. That is a whole new level of despotism. OK, well, maybe not a whole new level, but that's that's certainly evil in my book. Force them to fight wildfires. Yeah, for a dollar an hour, because you can enslave people as long as they've been convicted of a crime. Well, Kamala could have let them go based on their parole conditions, but she decided no, nah, we're going to keep them, make them fight fires. That's horrifying. But for, for, with all that being said. I can only imagine that if Emanuel Crohn came up to her and got in her face, she'd just be like, nah, and she'd scream at him. Joe Biden looks like, oh, I, just, yeah, I can't do it. Feeble, disheveled old man. Hey, Trump's old, too. But he's just, he's spry, you know, for whatever reason. Now we'll talk about this story, uh, one, one last bit, where we, uh, we, get, we, we get in trouble on YouTube. Trump called Biden a, Biden a mental, <clears throat> say, art hard while struggling in the polls in early 2020, according to a new book. You know, I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Uh, YouTube doesn't like us saying that word. Apparently Chuck Schumer recently described children as, you know, we, I, believe it or not, you, you can't say that word on YouTube. Isn't it stupid? Uh, um, mentally disabled. But you know, the R word. No joke. Even Business Insider has blurred the word. If I say it, YouTube could actually take this video down. Isn't that dumb? That's the, that's, the, that's the world we're living in right now, people run by stupid people for stupid reasons, and they try and call me stupid for pointing it out. Well, Donald Trump reportedly called Biden that, and uh, I believe it. I mean, first of all, behind closed doors, I'm sure Trump said a whole bunch of crazy things. But I also think, um, while certainly a bit uh, derisive, he's hitting uh, he's getting the context right. Joe Biden's brain don't work. We all know it. Australia News. They know it. This is news.com.au saying it. This is, you know, Emmanuel Macron yelling at, at Biden. And according to Jack Posobiec, White House officials said Trudeau was overheard saying that Kamala Harris will be president before the end of 2022. What, what is what has become of us? You know, I can't say it's all bad. Let me let me let me tell you guys something. I'm fairly libertarian in a lot of ways, uh, fairly moderate libertarian, a little left leaning tendencies, some right leaning tendencies. You know how it goes. And uh, I don't like the American war machine. I don't like that we dump all of our tax money into just funding war overseas. I don't like the idea that Americans who live in cities are gluttonous, lazy slobs who live in concrete cubicles that smell like sour milk. I don't like that those people then demand that hardworking people around the country pay their bills. I don't like the idea that these people took out massive loans to go party in college and now want the working class to pay their bills through a tax or through debt forgiveness. I don't like any of those people. And all of that's only possible because we live in the empire of luxury. Now, these people in the cities in to to roll up their sleeves and go chop some wood so they can get a fire going. They need to stop relying on, on fossil fuels while simultaneously blaming everybody else for fossil fuels. If you want to live in a big city with a massive cost of living that's extremely difficult to maintain, that produces the bulk of the pollution, and then complain about it, don't come yelling at me. So you know what? Maybe the American Empire crumbles. Well, the good news is, I guess, these people get a hard wake-up call and maybe do some hard work for once in their lives. Many of these people who live in these cities, they, 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 they work for uh, you know, office buildings and, and tech firms where they get paid fifty, sixty thousand dollars starting jobs, like out of college in some instances. Not always. Some people you get like forty or more. And then I look at the people who 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 do actually do hard work, getting like fifteen, twenty bucks an hour, and I'm like Why are they getting paid less than you? Don't get me wrong. You got people in cities. They work trades. They do hard work. But these cities are where the problems are. The Democrats keep complaining about. You know what? If you do not defend your country, if you do not believe in it, then you do not deserve to reap its rewards. Of course, this means many conservatives understand if the U.S. loses its status or the petrodollar, we all are going to be worse off for it. But I kind of think that the people who live in the middle of nowhere, who have their own farms, gardens and chickens And uh, well water and solar panels are much better equipped to survive a a weakened American empire or just America reverting back to uh, uh, not being an empire than the city people. City people go to panic. They're going to freak out and they're going to go running. I got a garden. You know, we're growing a bunch of vegetables. We got chickens. We're going to have eggs. We got recommended to do water glassing for the eggs where you can preserve them for a long period of time. We are getting uh, off. we're, We're getting off the grid completely. I mean, we've got satellite internet. We've got uh, a bunch of different backups. We do have satellite. I know internet puts us on the grid. What I mean is we're getting uh, our own electrical system. We're getting, we have our own well system. We want to be self-sufficient because we actually care about the planet. We actually want to be responsible. The people who live in these big cities who prop up people like Biden want to watch it burn and they want you to pay their bills. Anyway, I want to rant on a different subject. Now I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. Hey, I kind of like this lady, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, she's a fighter. Of course, the the left has come after her. Even Republicans have come after her. But um, Rep Marjorie Taylor Greene to introduce legislation that would abolish the ATF. Yeah, I'm a gun guy now, uh, big on 2A and big on the right to keep and bear arms. And I think it's more, you know, I've not... It's not like I was always a hardcore gun control advocate or anything like that. I was more in the middle, like, well, we should have a conversation about certain restrictions. And uh, I've never been anti-gun or anything like that. But I think once I actually started getting into the process of buying a gun and dealing with these, these issues and crime, well, then I was like, these laws make no sense. I think from the outside to many of these leftists, uh, or I shouldn't say leftists, leftists like guns, uh, many of these Democrats, they take a look at these laws or, or the concept of the laws. And it makes sense on the surface. Hey, we don't want people to have fully automatic guns. And they go around mowing people down. And you're like, makes sense to me. And then you realize, say, actually, it's really difficult to get a fully automatic weapon. They're called NFA items. They're regulated, rare. They don't make them after 1980. I I believe after 1986, you 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 can't make them or something like that. And so you start realizing many of the things that people have asked for already exist. Hey, guess what? You want to go to a gun store and buy a gun? You got to do a background check. The left keeps asking for background checks. They exist. So what are the, what are they asking for? I don't know, but I can tell you this. The ATF doesn't really understand how to navigate these situations, right? This is alcohol, tobacco, and firearms and explosives. And uh, they deal with people who are buying certain weapons. And if you want to buy an NFA item like a suppressor or um, I, I think a short-barreled rifle, I don't know if you can get those. I think they're NFA. You got to go through the ATF. And they're struggling to figure out how to actually deal with what a gun is, because, I mean, there's a bunch of crazy kinds of guns, and you can and and people can invent and change and make new calibers. So they're always in this constant game of cat of cat and mouse, where the ATF is like, okay, well, uh, pistols with a brace can be used as a it can be used as a stock, so it's kind of a short-barreled rifle, and maybe we'll change the rules. Yeah, a lot of people aren't fans. The ATF struggles to deal with this. So, Marjorie Taylor Greene says. She wants legislation that would abolish the ATF, get rid of them. They'd be forced to auction off all their guns to FFLs. Here's the issue. This doesn't really do anything, OK? I mean, <clears throat> we can complain about the ATF. We can complain about, you know, Waco and things like that. And it's, um, it, it's a good thing. I, I, I think the ATF is bad. But ultimately, it just transfers back all of these laws to the FBI or this, this, this jurisdiction to the FBI, I don't know if actually abolishing the ATF does anything. That's why when you see, uh, unless you change the laws, right? So when the left is like, we should abolish DHS. I'm like, I don't know that's going to change anything. We should abolish ICE and do what? Transfer the laws and the powers and the jurisdiction back to the feds, to the FBI or something. And I'm like, so it's going to be the same people doing the same thing. You realize that. But let's take a look. We've also got some other news out of Texas. Constitutional carry. Now it is signed into law, but let's read and see what's going on. Daily Caller reports Republican Georgia rep Marjorie Taylor Greene will introduce legislation Thursday morning that would abolish the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, the ATF, if signed into law. The Daily Caller first obtained a legislation titled the Brian A. Terry Memorial Eliminate the ATF Act. The bill was named after Marine and Border Patrol agent Brian Terry, who was killed in a gunfight after a group of armed men attempted to rob smugglers who were transporting drugs from Mexico to the U.S., Terry was part of a high-ranking Border Patrol unit and was participating in Operation Fast and Furious, which allowed federal agents to let known criminals buy weapons in order to track the purchases to other criminal organizations. A really dumb idea, I might, uh, I might add. The legislation's co-sponsors include Southern Carol- Carolina Republican Rep. Ralph Northam, Arizona Republican Rep. Paul Gosar, and Florida Rep. Matt Gates. Okay, so, so shout out to those guys as well, Matt Gates. Here's what the legislation would do, according to Green's office. It repeals all ATF regulations and guidance after August 1st, 2020, to the date of enactment. Rescinds hiring authority for the Bureau and abolishes the Bureau six months after the date of enactment. The alcohol, tobacco, and other regulatory functions are transferred back to the FBI. Requires that the Bureau publish an itemized list on their website. Of all confiscated firearms and ammunition possessed by the Bureau, which must be sold to federal firearms licensed dealers, FFL, via public auction before the Bureau closes. Proceeds from the auction are placed into a fund for the families of Border Patrol officers killed in the line of duty as a result of Operation Fast and Furious, providing grants up to $150,000 per family affected. Any remaining funds not used by 2032 will be redirected to a program awarding states grants funds grant funds to establish firearm safety programs. Hey, I like the sound of that, right? Quote, Joe Biden and the radical, the radical anti-gun Democrats want to unleash the ATF on law-abiding gun owners across America, attacking our God-given Second Amendment rights to keep and bear arms. The ATF's ongoing unconstitutional tax on the Second Amendment must end, Green told The Daily Caller before introducing legislation. <clears throat> 12 years ago, under the direction of hate Uh, of hate America leftist uh, Eric Holder, the ATF smuggled firearms to Mexican drug cartels, Fast and Furious, who then used those firearms to kill American hero Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. This can never be allowed to happen again. Joe Biden's nomination of gun grabber David Chipman, who wants to ban, confiscate, and destroy the most popular self-defense and hunting rifle in America, owned by millions of American patriots, is a clear indication that the ATF's war on gun owners is just beginning and is about to crank up, she continued. I'm introducing this legislation to eliminate the ATF to protect all gun owners across the country from a tyrannical, power-hungry group of bureaucrats whose goal is to destroy our Second Amendment rights. I'd like to point out, this is exactly what I've been talking about. So bravo, Marjorie Taylor Greene. I've repeatedly said, where are the Republicans to stand for something? The left says we want to ban guns. And the right says, no, wait, don't. The left says we want universal health care. And the right says, no, wait, don't. Where's the right to say we want more gun rights? We want to abolish these regulations. Where are the Republicans fighting back and saying more gun rights? Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing it. So I'm a fan. I dig it. And also, uh, she mentions eliminating the ATF, all gun owners from tyrannical power hungry group. Yes, I'd like to point out the ATF is not likely going to. I mean, they do. They do. okay. but typically what you're going to get from the ATF, people are registering with them. So what's the power of this regulatory agency anyway? They're going to go after people who fill out the paperwork properly. They certainly didn't go after Hunter Biden, who lied on his background check form, clearly indicating the background check forms don't work, I suppose. But bravo to Marjorie Taylor Greene for actually fighting back. Aaron Doerr, the executive director of the American Firearms Association, defended Green's legislation to the Daily Caller, saying that eliminating the ATF is long overdue. The ATF has been a scandal-ridden disaster long before Operation Fast and Furious became front page news. These days, they exist solely to attack the Second Amendment and the tens of millions of proud gun owners who fight to defend it. It's high time this agency was eliminated before they can do even more damage to freedom, Dorr said. Green plans on introducing leg, leg, the, the legislation on the House floor later Thursday morning. I want to point something out, though. Marjorie, you said self-defense and hunting rifle. I like that. Self-defense. It's not an ass- The Air 15 is not an assault weapon. It's a defense weapon. That's, stop saying the, the left's terminology. Assault weapon, assault rifle. No, it's a defense rifle. It's a defense weapon. Yeah, I, I, I went to the gun store and I bought a bunch of defense weapons. I don't plan on assaulting anybody. The weapon literally exists for my defense, from a tyrannical government, from a criminal, from gangs, from anybody who would seek to do me harm. And it is a hunting rifle. Can I point something out, the stupidity of many of these people? When I try explaining to the gun grabbers, the gun control people, first, they say, nobody's coming to take your guns. They already did. What are you talking about? A bunch of guns are illegal. Okay. look at the list of banned guns in New Jersey and Maryland. They did. They took the guns away. Stupid argument, then they don't know anything about hunting, so I, I, I show people whenever they come I'm like here's a nine millimeter luger this is used it's a NATO round, and here's a five five six It's a rifle round for an ar fifteen here's the four fifty bushmaster with polymer tip. If you know anything about these, the bushmaster is very large now, if you want to have an argument about which is more uh, effective in dealing with taking down enemy combatants or whatever, fine, but people can clearly tell the difference between the smaller rounds, high velocity, that are used for uh, uh, combat. And the reason they're smaller is that they work against people and you want to be able to carry a lot. When you're hunting and you're dealing with big game or like a large you know, deer or whatever, you're going to need a more powerful round, more stopping power. The gun grabbers don't understand this. They've never actually like, looked at bullets. But here's my favorite point I want to make. You go on Twitter Whenever there's a big news story about gun violence or whatever, they're always screaming about the AR-15. They don't even know what it means. It's like, okay, um, which round specifically? Well, no one would hunt with an AR-15. What'd they do? What are you talking about? I got an AR. Uh, uh, no, no, I don't. I've got people can buy ARs chambered in, four, uh, in, in, in 450 Bushmaster. It's a larger round, more stopping power. Okay. And uh, you, can, you can get basically an AR-15 in, in, uh, in any kind of, basically any caliber. It's meaningless. Now, I know most of you know this, but I just want to point something out. I also have a Barrett M82. You may have seen the vault vlog we did over at um, youtube.com slash castcastle. That's right. I took out a 50 BMG semi-auto uh, Barrett M82. I don't hear them calling for banning that. Now, don't get me wrong. Joe Biden does want to ban 50 BMG. But it's because the left doesn't, or I should say the Democrats, don't know anything about guns. Otherwise, they'd be like, I got to be honest. If, when, when, when someone asked me, what, what are you possibly hunting with a Barrett M82? I, I there was this Democrat guy on Facebook. And he's like, no one's banning your guns. And I said, here's a list of my guns that have been banned in, in many jurisdictions. And he was like, what would you hunt with those? And I explained like, well, here's the purpose of each and every gun. Different calibers serve different purposes. You know, if you're inside a home, you might want to use uh, some people say a shotgun, I think. Like, uh, I'd like a nine millimeter rifle with, uh, you know, hollow point or frangible bullets. Safer safety, right? And then I got to the Barrett M82. And I'm like, honestly, nothing. Barrett M82, I guess you hunt helicopters and tanks. See, that's the point. We're legally allowed to have these weapons of war. Literally, it's a weapon of war. Because that's the point of the Second Amendment is. A, a, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. We get it. it. Doesn't say hunting anything anywhere in there. So I'd like to see this pass. I really don't think it will. But at the very least, Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing what I've been saying we need Republicans to do, making a demand saying this is what we need. Now, I, I love this story. This is from uh, just today, Newsweek. Madison Cawthorn says armed citizens could topple U.S. government. Ask the Viet Cong. I love this as if that's a controversial statement. The Viet Cong were a bunch of rice farmers with like what AK-47s and the U.S. was humiliated in Vietnam. Take a look at Afghanistan, the Taliban, a bunch of uh, I mean, this literally I think they were Were they goat farming. A lot of these people are just your average rural farmer armed with AK-47s. And yes, they created very serious problems for the U.S. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that they won. But yes, human beings armed with rifles, that is the seat of power in combat. I can't remember who I was talking to, but I I have a Ruger 1022. And they were like, you buy a thousand of these, you can take over a small country. Yes, a Ruger 1022, the bulge tiny. It's called a weapon. It's called giving someone a weapon. Scud missiles or or air to surface missiles, surface to air missiles, uh, fighter jets. They don't occupy street corners they don't take over military installations. They do damage. So we get this story from Newsweek where they're like, the 25-year-old youngest member of Congress says, ask the Viet Cong. And they go on to mention that the US like won in Vietnam, which is a hilarious assessment. They're like, the Viet Cong was a communist revolutionary organization. Their main objective was the overthrow of the South Vietnamese, but the US forces were ultimately successful in reunifying the country, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. And and the country, which remains under communist rule, of course, the Viet Cong suffered huge losses. Yeah, let's be real. Airstrikes are powerful and you can take out a lot of people with them. The U.S. military is a force to behold. But it is true. In order to invade the United States and take it over, you need to take the guns away from the people. They're, what they're saying is uh, there's a gun behind every blade of grass. Yeah, Americans got a lot of guns. And uh, I love it. The Onion puts out this thing every time there's a mass shooting. They're like, how do we stop this Says only country where it regularly happens, which is just not true. Man, I'd love you to go visit Honduras. <laughs> Tell me that it only happens here. It happens everywhere. And that's why I'm super excited for this. Texans can carry handguns without a license or training starting September 1st after Governor Greg Abbott signs permitless carry bill into law. Now, I firmly recommend everybody go to a range and get basic training and learn the rules before you go and buy a firearm. Boy, are there a lot of dumb people. I went to a gun shop in, uh, uh, where was I? I can't remember where it was, but it wasn't, it was like maybe in Virginia. And I was talking about uh, constitutional carry and stuff. And the, the guy at the gun shop was like, you know what, what worries me with all these people buying guns? Because gun sales have been through the roof. Gun sales are skyrocketing. I think I got this story right here. Check this out. Gun sales have skyrocketed in California. This guy was saying, going to be a lot of dumb people walking around with guns now. And I'm like, you know, that's true. And I accept it. That means there's probably going to be accidental shootings. It does. And that means we need to teach people about proper gun safety. We need to make guns a part of the culture, not an enemy within the culture. People need to understand guns the same way they understand cars. But let me tell you something. People get into car accidents all the time. We don't ban cars. When I go and cross a busy street, I don't, and, and let's, I'll put it this way. There's a stop sign. And so I'm walking in the crosswalk and a car is flying towards me. Car stops. Why? Because people generally aren't psychopaths who want to kill you. But sometimes accidents happen. So we do take responsibility for ourselves. I'm not going to stand in the middle of the street and just stare at the car. It's speeding towards me. I'm going to get out of the way. But I cross busy streets all the time and no one hits me with their car. The left says, car, a good example. Then why don't we require a license and insurance for every gun? You know, I actually argued that a few years ago. Someone responded very easily. Then I want a license and insurance on your podcast. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good point. If you don't like the Second Amendment, change the Constitution. We can make arguments about the requirements for insurance. Well, it's a constitutional right, so I don't think you can. However, I will say...
1: Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered
0: ChumbaCasino.com.
1: It's my little escape.
0: Now Judy's the life of the party.
1: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
0: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> I know most people I know have it because it's really inexpensive. And in the event of any kind of shooting that you get involved in, they pay a certain portion of your defense, like a very large, substantial amount of it. That's the purpose of having insurance. Because even if someone breaks into your house and you shoot them, you're going to have to defend yourself and justify. Now, in many states where you've got stand your ground laws, yeah, you probably don't. Someone enters your home. Well, you have a right to defend yourself. And they typically will just say, well, you have a right to defend yourself. What I, w- what I do find fascinating going, o- going over to this Texas story is that everybody assumes that Texas is the state where you can just get a gun and do whatever you want. And it's not. There's a family guy joke. Brian Griffin walks into a liquor store and he's like, I'll get a, you know, a fifth of Jack or whatever. And he's like, here, here, here's your Jack Daniels and here's your gun. Or like, here's your whiskey and here's your gun. He's like, my gun. He's like, state law, buy whiskey, get a gun. And he's like, huh, that's the joke. Texas before this at right now requires you to get training and pass a course. Some people can't pass. That's interesting. You know, I'm not entirely opposed to it, to be, to be completely honest. I'm not entirely opposed to it, that you could walk into a, a Department of Gun Services and just pass a basic test and, they, and you get a gun. However, the challenge hits up against the Constitution, the right to keep and bear arms will not infringed. Therefore, you don't got to be examined by the state to bear arms. Why? Defeats the purpose of the Second Amendment. When I say I'm not completely opposed to it, what I mean is I think people should have training. I think people should have insurance. I also think that allowing the government to regulate the press, religion, or the right to keep and bear arms defeats the purpose of what those amendments stand for. It's really funny in New York, for instance, if you want to be a journalist in New York with access to certain crime scenes or to bypass police barricades, then you need a government sanctioned badge. Pretty sure the point of the First Amendment is so that the government can't do that. Doesn't matter. If you don't defend the Constitution, then the Constitution doesn't do anything for you. And so even if there was, you know, like like Texas saying that you need to get government approval to get a gun. Nah, that's BS. That's wrong. That's why constitutional carry is correct. Shall not be infringed. Imagine this. The government starts rounding people up and beating them in the streets. And you're like, I would like to defend myself from these tyrannical government. And they go, well, uh, have you filled out your permit application? Uh, let me fill it out. We'll get back to you and let you know if you're allowed to defend yourself. Brandon Taylor's boyfriend, when the cops kicked the door in, he fired and shot a cop in the leg. Charges were dropped. Why? Because in America, you have a right to keep and bear arms. That means these cops, they know when you're entering a building, you must be careful, because someone has the right to keep and bear arms. Now, over in California, people are buying up guns like crazy, which is really funny considering California is super left. Who are these Democrats in California? That keep voting for gun laws, and then want to go out and buy them. I was talking to a guy from Phoenix Ammunition. You may remember them. You may you may be familiar with Phoenix Ammunition. He was mentioning on the podcast that someone called because on the website it says you certify that you didn't vote for Joe Biden. And if you say that you did, it redirects you to his gun control policy. And this lady was confused. Like, I want to buy your ammo, but I have to certify I didn't vote for Joe Biden, but I did. And he goes, ma'am, Joe Biden's policies would put my company out of business. The lady apparently refused to accept that she was wrong to vote for Joe Biden. But this dude was like, I'm more than happy to not take your money. I, I don't blame him. I think he's correct. So will the ATF be abolished? No. Does it matter? I don't know. I mean, it would get rid of some of the regulations going back about a year. But is that enough? People should have a right to own assault rifles. I mean, a, a legit select fire rifle that can shoot full auto. They have a right to keep in bare arms. Why are we? we I mean, and, and, and the silly thing is, to be completely honest, semi-auto is better anyway. Um, people don't, uh, military and armed forces, they don't use full auto. They have the ability to. But I guess a full auto is used for like suppressing fire, I suppose but still seems rather wasteful. I don't know. I guess it's for fun on the range. We'll see if there's any more Republicans willing to stand up. But to Marjorie Taylor Greene and those who co-sponsored the bill, thank you for for actually pushing back and making demands. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.